Hello. Hello. And welcome to Pop Tarts. <laughs> I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We're both editors at Bust Magazine here in Brooklyn, New York. And we are huge pop culture junkies. We're here to talk to each other about pop culture. We're here to talk to you about pop culture. And on today's podcast, we are first going to talk about The Get Down. It just came back out for part two. We're going to spend the first half of the show talking about The Get Down. And then, as always, we're going to talk to each other about what we are watching in a segment called What You Watching? <laughs> but first, The Get Down. We're going to get down with The Get Down. We're going to get down with The Get Down. Callie, I would like to ask you, what were your feelings on part one? And how do you feel embarking upon part two now that it is out? Oh, part one was, I was really liked how cinematic it was. I think that was what struck me most. The first, well, the first episode I was like, what is going on? Why is this guy jumping off of buildings and stuff? (laughs) And I didn't know that I was, I didn't think I was going to stick with it. But then the whole like, absurdity of the way they were filming it grew on me yeah and overall when it ended were you hungry for more yes most definitely I felt that way too I had a different sort of I would say more visceral reaction to part one when I watched it because I am older than you are (laughs) and actually I talked to my very best friend Johanna who is the same age that I am and she had the same reaction that I did because we both grew up in Westchester County, which is above the Bronx. Mm -hmm. And uh, my first memories of being on this earth are of going from Westchester County, where I lived, into Manhattan with my father on the weekends. And I would fall asleep. We're talking about the late 70s Uh in his sedan. And it would be the smell that would wake me up to let me know that we were close to the city and that smell was the Bronx burning oh so when I think about you know like my first exposure to New York City and all the excitement of New York City I equate that as a sense memory with the Bronx burning whoa I would smell it I would look out the window there would be this amazing graffiti everywhere the the elevated trains would be going by super tagged up there'd be rubble there'd be smoke I mean, to my to my like little tiny baby eyes, it was like everything all at once. Mm-hmm. There was break dancing on the streets and in the parks. There was definitely like the very earliest mixtapes of hip hop coming out of stereo stores uh, and out of boom boxes that people were carrying around. The tracksuits were on the streets. The tracksuits were on the streets. <laughs> you know, it's weird now. Somebody walking down the street with a boom box, you're like. Come on, what are you doing? And, you know, looking back historically and culturally, people talk about how this was this huge moment of upheaval when things were changing, like the 60s were over and disco was slowly being overtaken in New York by this new art form. But this was the only world that I had ever known. Yeah. So I didn't know that it like the whole world was changing. Like this was the world that, you know, I knew two worlds. There was like the country world that I was living in upstate in Westchester and then there was a world that I only wanted to be in 24 hours a day which is the city like by the time I was four years old I remember being like this is the place to be and this is where I want to be and that was the world that they're capturing in the get down and so it was very exciting for me to see all of that archival footage interspersed with the new stuff that is being documented for, yeah, I didn't come to New York for my first time until I was in my teens, so that's like the in the 90s. So uh-huh. Whole different. There was good stuff happening and, then, too. Yeah. But, yeah. We actually told our parents we were going snowboarding, and our <laughs> coffee shop boss <laughs> bought the plane tickets for us with our paycheck, and me and my two best friends came here for a weekend. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have such crafty plans because I was three and four years old. <laughs> But it still made a, a big mark on it and I on me and I feel like Boz Lerman did such an amazing job pulling together all of these visual and audio elements and as I said, interspersing 
uh, documentary footage with real footage to really give a sense of what it was like. Because I was like, yes, that's exactly what it was like. (laughs) What it was like. I've done a lot. I mean, I definitely know a lot about the history of hip hop. Um, So comparatively to what to all the like documentaries I've seen, all the the books I've read, I actually also have the CD set that's like you go to a different neighborhood and you start it right when you step out of the train and it tells you which direction to walk and it's like a walking tour cool of each borough and it tells you like this is the house where Grandmaster Flash was this is like where this one thing happened mm-hmm. I can't remember it was like I probably got it like when I first moved here so like a decade ago I haven't listened to it in a long time but you know I've definitely dug deep into it but I don't have the first hand mm-hmm. eyeballs of it one thing first that eyeballs right <laughs> That I find surprising about the show in general, and it shouldn't be considering the subject matter, was how overtly masculine it is. Yeah. Because of Boz Lerman and his oeuvre, if you will. You know, like he, when I think of him, and, and you may or may not agree, but I think of him as somebody who makes beautiful things for women to enjoy. That's like his place in my mind. You know, he made Moulin Rouge he made Great Gatsby. He made Romeo and Juliet. And all of those things were lush and romantic yeah. and musical. And I felt like they were made for women to enjoy. I know that other people who aren't women enjoy them as well. But yeah. when I saw all three of those movies, which I loved, I felt like someone was making something very lush and beautiful and romantic just for me, a woman. <laughs> Your tampon voice again. <laughs> So I feel I what I was excited to see his take on on the birth of hip hop and Bronx in the seventies, um, and all of that stuff. But I was sort of taken aback by like, oh, like this is all a, a lot of dudes. There's one notable woman in it. But when you look at the history, I mean, well, we talked about um, Roxanne Chante, but mm-hmm. as far as it goes, way back there wasn't there. I mean, there were some women, but there was always been a male-dominated field. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm not mad at it for being so super masculine. I understand that there's the big three Mm -hmm. who are considered the founders of hip hop: DJ Cool Herc, Africa Bombada, and Grandmaster Flash. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'm hoping as season as season two comes out we haven't seen all of it yeah we have seen portions of it that uh they may touch on some of the women more who were involved for instance these are people that i learned about back in 2007 when bust did a story called behind the music about women who were involved in hip-hop that was written by the great sabrina ford for bust magazine and she pointed out women like Sylvia Robinson. I feel like she's going to have to show up in season two at some point. She was the woman who she, well, first of all, she was in that R&B group, Mickey and Sylvia, who was like, baby, love is strange. You remember that song? No, I don't. Oh my God, it's from Dirty Dancing. It's the best. Oh, so she well, I was must know it. Sylvia from Mickey and Sylvia. And then she went to Harlem. She heard hip hop in the late seventies, like 78. And she was like, I'm a music producer now. I'm going to form my own hip-hop group. And so she formed the Sugar Hill Gang. Ah, yes, Sugar Hill Gang. Sylvia Robinson put together the Sugar Hill Gang and released their song Rapper's Delight in 1979. Like, she's going to have to be there somewhere. I know that that part two of the Get Down starts in 78. Uh-huh. And Rapper's Delight dropped in 79, so... It may not come till 3. <laughs> or it may... I, I'm hoping that Sylvia shows up because she's an important person. There was also um, a 13-year-old DJ in 1981 named DJ Jazzy Joyce. Who brought, <laughs> Jazzy Joyce is a great name. Who brought the mixtapes from the Bronx down to the downtown New York clubs. Ah, I remember this in the article. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you have... Monica Lynch, who was the president of Tommy Boy Records in the 80s and 90s. So again, like we, the the get down is still in the 70s when we're talking about the big three. But mm-hmm. as it progresses, if who knows how many parts there will, there will be. But I'm hoping that as it progresses, some of these women are going to show up. Yeah. 
It's what, what do you think was going on with all the ladies that they weren't involved in this at all? Like they, why weren't they breaking? What were the ladies doing in the seventies? <laughs> well, you know, if you're going to take a cue from the show, the ladies were being, you know, the, the creative, talented musical women were being disco. all funneled towards disco. Like, uh, uh, Mylene in the show. Yeah. That there's these parallel tracks in the show where you have the Get Down Brothers who are sort of representative of the birth of hip-hop happening in the Bronx. And then concurrently, the main uh, lyric writer for the Get Down Brothers books, played by Justice Smith, is dating Mylene Cruz, who is a burgeoning disco star. Mm-hmm. And so you see them going on these parallel tracks. But, I mean, in general, there's only one. There's the two, the backup singers and Mylene, but that's like the only women in general. And there's Fat Annie. Which one's that? <laughs> she oh, the, the lady that The drug the... queen pin. Yes, that lady is badass. Yeah, but they're they're the only women. And, you know, then there's Mylene's mom. Yeah, who is but I'm put upon more of the youth. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking about the yeah, youth. Yeah, the youth. What, and, what are the youths doing? And people have sort of... A, women as accessories in different scenes but yeah i i would like there to be more women but in the meantime the men who are in it are fine yeah and so, <laughs> so that's fine so i i do sit back and watch and enjoy from that perspective even though i demand women in everything <laughs> yeah. at all times i was just trying to think of something that i watched that isn't really women heavy this is the only thing that i like watch with this kind of intensity that is so dude dominated oh you know workaholics oh right that has like nothing that's given me nothing <laughs> <laughs> interestingly enough Callie and I were able to go to a preview of season two uh-huh. uh wherein Boz Lerman and Grandmaster Flash were in attendance Along with other producers and choreographers. It was amazing. It was super amazing. And they they really shed a lot of light on the the cultural world that hip-hop erupted out of that they're trying to capture. You know, not they're not being super literal about, like, this is exactly how hip-hop was born. But they're, they're trying to bring in all of the cultural influences so you can see that the soup yeah. that yeah. came to a boil. It was really interesting hearing how they were... Like doing how they, the attention to detail they were trying to bring to like the like when the break the two choreographers I can't remember their mm-hmm. names and they were talking about how to get the original breakdance moves they could there was no video right and like so they they knew that everybody watched kung fu movies mm-hmm. and so they went to the kung kung fu movies used those styles like the stance and the stairs and like Bruce Lee's approach to stuff and that really helped shape what and then you know talk to other people that about how breaking was then but they didn't have visual aid they just kind of used logic to like piece together what it was that part was fascinating Mm -hmm. and they were also talking about I believe Grandmaster Flash was talking about the main dominant culture that they were experiencing at the time where like you say Bruce Lee Mm -hmm. kung fu movies were huge in the Bronx in the 70s and then you've got disco which um, I'm glad that that was such a big part of it because I love Mylene's disco sequences in this show. They're so over the top and like she's serving such Donna Summer realness. Yes. And I feel like everybody's going to be wearing that white dress for weddings. It's going to be like the wedding from dress. From the first episode of part two. Mm-hmm. When she's keeping gorgeous. the light in her window. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. And then uh, the choreography wise the Jackson 5 oh yeah exactly and uh, you know all of these things came together in in the imaginations of people who were going to public schools where there was no music education they had access to no instruments and so they actually used you know whatever they could find like in this case turntables to create a whole new musical expression it's it's the whole thing. Listening to them talk was fascinating, especially Grandmaster Flash, about how he hits the record the the way he moves his hand, which he took from Kung Fu. But then the guy was trying to be like, show them how to scratch the 
the scene from the first season with the with the crayon pencil, with the crayon mark, and he kept making um do it over and over again, and he didn't understand because he that's just his natural way of doing it. He didn't see that he has a flare, mm-hmm. and so he was just like, "What do you mean? This is just how you do it." And then the guy was like, there's a way that you're doing it that is very specific that we want to get. Just watching Grandmaster Flash miming mm-hmm. uh, beat matching was so amazing. And I also liked, he said that everybody wants to talk about the cake and nobody wants to talk about the recipe. Yeah, And I by love that, that, he meant that everybody wants to talk about the years when hip-hop exploded and became a cultural commodity but nobody wants to talk about the years before when nobody knew what it was and it was just being formed, mm-hmm. which is why he was so excited about this project because he could finally express something about the recipe and not just the cake. Yeah. I love it, man. He's so eloquent. It was totally worth going to the screening just to watch him just walk, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? And afterwards, I told you, I called my mom and I was like, Mom, went to a screening. Grandmaster Flash was there. I don't know if you know who that is. My mom, who, BT dubs, 70 years old, from the Bronx, goes, Grandmaster Flash, he's the one with the turntables. <laughs> and I was like, that's right, Janet, you know, you know what's up. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Janet knows what's up. So she was excited for us that we got to have that experience. Now, I want to ask you your feelings on the storyline where Mylene is first she's being put forth by her father as basically a marketing gimmick for his church mm-hmm. and they're so godly using her him. as a sexy good girl to get people to come to his church and then slowly over time or actually not really slowly sort of abruptly <laughs> she, <laughs> she's marketed as a sex object like do you think that that was just sort of inevitable that that would happen or do you think it's sort of a gimmick of the show to put Harrison Guardiola in sexy little outfits? I feel like that is the way things play out. I mean, look at Mariah Carey, right? She started out all sweet. Mm-hmm. And then the boobs drop, you know? Like, <laughs> but she was just like, hey, I'm going to change change it up and drop some titties on you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that... I mean, I'm trying to think of anybody else that starts out sweet. Amy Grant? Whatever happened to her? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> I think she's taken... Stayed Christly or whatever. You yeah, call I it. think she stayed Christian. Amy Grant, to the but end. I feel like there's always pressure for that, you know, just to like because it's easier to sell sell something with sex than sell something with a religion because then you're pinholing yourself. Mm-hmm. And even that, you know, some people will be like, "Oh, I don't like sexy." Most people like sexy, right? You know, realistically, I'm sure that during that time, a woman in Mylene's position would be very quickly sexually I don't know if exploited is the right word but commodified certainly and so it it definitely makes sense in terms of the storyline but as a woman consuming pop culture I was really enjoying the whole well Beyonce is another good example Beyonce started very very modest you know like the Mylene Cruz and the Soul Madonnas thing like, I was enjoying that, like, covered up, but still, like, incredibly captivating in every way. I knew that wasn't going to last long. There's no <laughs> way that somebody who's, like, producing somebody isn't going to try to make the most money that they can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's how you do it. You don't wrap up somebody. <laughs> yeah. Something else that I was super excited to see pop up in part two is Jabriath. I don't know if you remember that we were like whispering about that a little bit at the screening, but which one was Jabriath? Okay, so I've, I've only seen the first episode, right? But we also saw like a little, and I'm trash with names. <laughs> <laughs> later on, not in the first episode, but later on, they introduce Jabriath, who is a real life person, who um, he was basically pre David Bowie space alien. So- Oh, yes, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. And I learned about him in the 10-year anniversary issue of Bust with Cher on the cover that was had a whole story on gay men we love. I remember this issue, but I don't remember. I mean, that was a long time ago. Girl, it was 15 years ago, but I learned about Jabriath and then got all of his music. And 
like totally fell in love with him. He he's this the first openly gay rock star to be signed to a major label. Huh, when I saw the clip, I just assumed that was supposed to be David Bowie. See, that's the thing. He was a Drop super knowledge. gay weirdo space alien in New York before so David Bowie, Bowie bit that dude. Well, yeah, because Bowie was able to become, you know, he was able to become David Bowie, first of all, because he's David Bowie, and there was no holding that back. <laughs> but also, he was more enigmatic about his sexuality. Yeah. And Jabriath was like, I am gay. I'm from space. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gay. I'm from space. And he wore just like these crazy silver spaceman outfits with big bubble helmets. And he signed like a $500,000 record deal in this in I want to say 73 that's crazy what's what was his, his music like Bowie's yes ah mm-hmm. okay, so Bowie's out there biting shit yeah. my mind is exploding but it, interestingly enough I you know I saw him pop up in the trailer for season two of the get down which takes place in 1978, and by then, Jabriath was has his career had already fizzled. Like uh, he well, was already like a cabaret singer. Maybe that. Well, we'll have to see how that plays out. Maybe he's like on the trickle out, and they're like showing him as an example of how you fail. <laughs> yeah, but I for sure was so excited to see him as someone who's going to be portrayed, even if only briefly. In the new in the new season of the Get Down, because I learned about him from Bust, and he became a great glam rock love of my life. Well, can we talk about a part that made me really sad? Please, when their dad did not let her go to Studio Fifty Four to see Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. Yeah, I mean that he may be a man of God, but he has no soul. <laughs> yeah, that is so harsh. I I would have like lost it i would have been like that's it dad you're out of my career you're holding me back from michael jackson get the hell out of here yeah i appreciated that especially after you know my i explained my like early imprinting on like the new york city of the late 70s i spent the entirety of the 80s obsessed with michael jackson yeah we've talked about this before yeah so it's you know it just makes sense that michael jackson would float through somewhere as just sort of like a, a signpost of the things to come. Yeah. Huh. I wonder, I, I want to, I want to guess like who else she's going to see since I, we've only seen the beginning. Who is going to be in the disco world? Will we, will we get any share? Hmm. We'll find out. Are we going to, and I know that they're going to dabble. They have to touch a little bit on punk. Are we going to get some Debbie Harry? Yeah. Because you have that other character who the the friend of books who's the punk rock girl uh-huh. so she's going to be the gateway drug into CBGB yes land. yeah i i can't wait to see who they decide to pull as their the markers for punk yeah it's so interesting that they can they have this latitude where they can show people literally and they can also show people figuratively yeah, and how they genius. decide to do it yeah hmm we should make a bets to see who's going to come in. <laughs> they got to do Debbie Harry. And yeah. they're going to have to do some... A little bit of Joey Ramone. Yeah. When does Madonna drop? That's like 80s. 80s. Yeah, like early 80s, right? Mm-hmm. So there will be no Madonna. We'll, we'll see. There must be Cher. <laughs> I don't... I'm going to say that there isn't Cher, but we'll see what happens. I don't associate I her with the Bronx. <laughs> well, I'm talking about when they're... Because they're going to be going... Once... Uh, they get more famous. They're gonna have to leave the Bronx. To they're go gonna do leave shows. the Bronx. They're gonna they're gonna see the world. So those Get Down Brothers. Where was Cher posted up at? Where? California. Oh, she was in California. Yeah. Okay. Then I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I have enjoyed very much talking about the Get Down with you. Yeah, I can't wait to watch the rest of it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be choice. It's it's hard to know whether like you should just like devour the whole thing or spread it out because I it's feel so like delicious. that with everything. Like, my problem right now with SBU. <laughs> <laughs> so when I ask you what you're watching. I'll explain the trauma that is SBU. <laughs> Olivia Benson is going to be top of the list. Okay, we're going to be back in a moment, and I'm going to ask Callie 
What you watching? This episode of Pop Tarts was produced in the Listening Booth. Check out this sneak peek of their shows and then head to listeningboothmedia.com to find out more about each one. Hi, I'm Katie Shepard, the host of What's Happening Here, a podcast produced by The Listening Booth that's all about pivotal moments in people's lives. This first season of the show takes place at Manhattan International High School, a school on the Upper East Side in New York City. Each episode focuses on a different student's experience sharing their personal essay for college as a speech in front of the entire student body at the end of the year. I stay at home playing video games all day, every day. Every time I look in the mirror, I didn't see myself. I saw the characters of the games I play. I was no longer me. And a man came up, so I hid myself behind the shelf. The only adult in my phone book was my aunt. She said, I cannot leave my company just because of you. I am too busy. And two police put, put out their pistol and pointed at me and they said, put your hands up. What happened? I don't, I'm so scared at that time. And the owner said, I'm not a criminal. The real criminal always escaped. I spent time with the students and the teachers as they went through the process of not only figuring out what it is to be a teenager, but also what it's like to live as a young immigrant in America today. What I tell them every year that my priority is them. I teach them about life. And that's what I want them to experience here, that these nine months that we spend together will make a difference. You know, first I was really excited to come here. I used to be, you know, when I, I would get out, you know, how the people look at me and the way I'm dressed and the way I talk, I would, like, really get scared. After I accept the fact that it doesn't mean anything because I was just drunk and I wasn't the point, it just becomes easier to deal with it. But, but isn't, isn't sharing this with him, that's, like, the reason why you really wrote it, right? Maybe. Like, but, you know, it's kind of hard to reach out to someone who's actually covering themselves with something, you know, under something, and you want to reach them, but they're not giving you a hand, you know, it's really hard. Even in the process of going through this essay, haven't you learned anything about yourself? Uh, well, what have you learned? That I can't live without my family. You're growing by leaps and bounds right now, and, you, and you're figuring out who you are. If you'd like to find out more about these student stories and hear them for yourself, head to whatshappeninghere.audio or check us out on social media at WHH Podcast. Okay, right. we're back. Callie, yes. what? what you watching? What am I watching? Like I mentioned, a ton of SVU. Chung chung. It's taken over my life. Dick Wolf. I feel like I haven't gotten anywhere else in the world of TV because I am consumed by SVU. I watch some other things whenever there's a guy in the room because men do not like SVU. Logan likes SVU. Really? That's Camilo, my man. Camilo likes it, but my, my roommates don't like it. Um, none of my... The only dude I know that has admitted to liking SVU is... Camilla, and all of them when when I'm watching it, like I'm I will marathon the fuck out of some SVU, and then like like four thirty in the morning, I'm like I have to stop. <laughs> Too but, many sex crimes, not yeah. enough sleep. But then Milan once was like, I don't get it. Why do why do girls like the show? And he was like, I do, I just can't understand. And I was like, I think it just gives me hope. And he was like, hope that you're going to get raped? And I was like, no, that people actually solve a crime. Yeah, hope that Olivia Benson is going to step in. And, and somebody will give a Put fuck. some perps in their place. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I'm not really sure why I like it so much. I can't even remember what happens in all the episodes. I Like, I was in the middle of a binge, and I, I had to, I left to do something. Came back. Mm-hmm. And then I went to go watch again, and I was like, I feel like I've seen this episode. Why do I, why do, why Clef John is in this? I know I've seen this episode. Then I realized I was watching the last season on Netflix, uh, and not the last, the new season on, on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. And I've seen so much SVU that I couldn't even tell if I'd seen something already or not. That's why you can binge it again and again. Yeah. 
I don't really know why it is so my TV drug of choice, but I adore it. The only episode of the new season of SVU that I've seen so far is the one where the woman um, worked for like a major Wall Street tycoon. Ah, yes. That was the last. They went to the after party and she was assaulted and she had to decide, like, take the payout or testify for a grand jury. And that's a tough call because that payout was huge. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say I'd testify, but I'd probably take the payout. Really? It's it's definitely... But she also probably has more money than me now, so she <laughs> she could get by with... A storyline like that immediately brings to mind the fact that um, someone who admittedly gropes women without consent is our president. Yes. You know, it just immediately completely. brings to mind, like, people in power and how women are silenced... When people, when men in power do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. And then also because if you testify, you could be jeopardizing your entire career going forward, Mm -hmm. you know, but also then you have to exist with the knowledge that that dude's out there probably groping people still. Mm -hmm. That's a tough gamble, man. Yeah. They had an episode of Trump, but they didn't air it. Really? Yeah. There's an unaired Trump episode? Mm Mm-hmm. Why did they not air it? Um, I think because he became president. That's rude. I still want them to air it. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> what else have I been watching? Oh, I haven't gotten to watch The Empire yet, or Empire in general, because of SVU. Uh-huh. But I read a really interesting article about it in the New York Times, where Cookie was talking about that they ad-lib a lot of their lines. Her oh, and that's Taren good Tomlin. to know. Yeah, and um, she was, she says... Um, a lot of it is just me and Terrence. The producers and writers let us go because when it's natural, you can't write it. They give us the skeleton, the bones, some of the meat. We add the gravy, the stuff that makes it taste better. And then she was saying that um, the, the name Boo Boo Kitty, she came up with. She came up with Boo Boo Kitty? Yes. I didn't know that. I love it. That makes me love her so much more that she's just out there throwing these zingers herself. Of course the, she is. Yeah. The few things I want to tell you about Empire is Remy Ma... Showing up, episode one, so good. I saw the video. I saw the video clip of that already. And of course, Remy Ma's on there. She is crushing it lately. I She's love crushing her it so, so hard. Much. When she came out, I was like, come through. <laughs> I was so excited. I was less excited to see Rumor Willis. Rumor Willis is in. The... Oh, she's in it too? Yeah, but. Eh. Oh, really? Not Yeah, not so much. I haven't seen anything that she's been in. Acting chops not so tight. It's just very forced and weird, in my opinion. Ah, uh, not I, as like because Courtney Love. Courtney Love was so good was on Empire, so good. But uh, Rumor Willis, not so much. There's this subplot going on with Andre and Shine, and I'm not going to spoil it because I don't understand it. <laughs> All I can say is it's going on, and they're trying to like elicit some kind of um building of suspense with some shadowy things that they're doing, mm. but they're really not explaining too much what's going on. So they're eliciting from me, at least more confusion than suspense. <laughs> um, and there's, a, there's a, a, a major scene that I think that you're going to enjoy. I believe it's at the end of the first episode of the new season. Well, it's not a new season. It's like after the mid Yeah. It's like break the, the break, but uh, where cookie and Lucius, are like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, and they're really violent, and then, like, they end up, like, making out, but after lots of, like, assaulting each other. Oh, and that's... It made me think about Big Little Lies, big little lies. <laughs> and I was like, is this the zeitgeist? Is this the moment where our, our pop culture is going to be saturated with, like, overtly violent sexuality? Huh. Well, I think Big Little Lies did a really good job with making people think about um, abuse in different ways like that it's not always so straightforward like that dude's hitting you you get the fuck out why are you even questioning it versus like the mind warp that it can give some people when they're like the power struggle makes people not want to admit it or shame so they hide it or the confusion of being turned on Mm -hmm. and then and then injured right and then also like is it hereditary with the with the kid that whole bit like where they were so now we're talking about Big Little Lies. We have segued <laughs> yeah, we've seamlessly <laughs> from Empire to Big Little Lies, and it's 
Shocking finale. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That was shot so well. I was like, what? He's hitting them all. What? What is happening? Oh, my God. I I watched it twice because I was like, that was so... It was just like a really good editing on that. I hate to say I really liked that abuse scene, but like the you mean the final thing? Yeah, when he the just went ham and he's like throwing everybody, and I think I feel like everybody got hit. Yeah, we have a very perceptive intern at Bus right now named Olivia, who called all of the twists. She called and all of it. the reveals. I would say three episodes in. So yeah. even though I didn't see it coming, I did once perceptive intern Olivia came in and told us her thoughts and she was absolutely right completely all the way right. down the line but the one surprise uh was Zoe Kravitz's part in yes. the whole affair that was I did not see that coming but that explains why they didn't flush her character out so much because then we weren't thinking about her because we we're considering her like a minor character not going to be like the big one the of the big reveal yeah mm-hmm but I heard that in the book, it's much her character is much more flushed out. I see. And her character had an abusive dad, oh. and so that's why she snaps. Because we don't really get her right. But backstory. I think if they put that in the TV show, it would have been too much of a a lead in that mm-hmm. it was her. Mm-hmm. But I'm a little bit torn on, like I like that the black woman saves the day for once, but also the black they made the black woman the murderer. at least they didn't kill her right you know but i really enjoyed watching it much more than i thought i was going to i'm gonna tell you that i don't think i would have watched it all the way through if you were hadn't been enjoying it so much (laughs) i knew that you'd be talking about it but i really liked it i was i was shocked but you know i thought it was going to be that light light stuff that i watch when i'm not paying attention like cleaning and cooking and and not really caring Mm -hmm. but then I, I ended up really involved. I got sucked the fuck in. Mm-hmm. What were my other thoughts on it? I don't know. I love Reese Witherspoon so much now. And I love Nicole Kidman so much more than I did previously. Yeah, I mean, I liked them before, but now I'm like, so much respect. And that Reese, it was, you know, Reese really pushed that project. And she was the one that was like, we got to get this going. Mm-hmm. Also, mad ups on Reese's outfit at the... Um, oh, at at the party. Who came up with that theme? When is El- Elvis, <laughs> Elvis and, and Audrey, Audrey happen? They have absolutely zero to do with each other. I mean, they were alive at the same time. They were making movies at the same time. I'm, there are so many other <laughs> concepts you could have gone with. But her outfit was cute. Her outfit was cute. And so was Zoe's. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Laura Dern as the My Fair Lady. Mm-hmm. That was a spot on. That dress was amazing. With the well, weird when you have back. HBO's costume <laughs> department. Yeah. yeah, they really went all out. So weird that if for a benefit, you would, they would spend that much money. I guess they're just showing that these people are like the richest riches. But if you rich. have that much money, why do you have to do a benefit? I guess it's just an excuse <laughs> for like rich people to to go out, throw money at a school. Yeah, but I was just like, you could just give them the money then because you guys are wasting all that money on this benefit. <laughs> that was weird to me. What else am I watching? What else am I watching? Uh, there was a new Run the Jewels uh, video that came out. Nice. And you know I love everything that they do. Callie is psychic, and she knows who's going to be a big deal before, like, minutes before they explode <laughs> into the world. And that's why Run the Jewels was in Bust Magazine, because Callie was able to get them just at the cusp. Same with Remy. Same I with Remy Ma. I while she was in jail, because I knew when she was out, we wouldn't be able to get her. Callie knows. But uh, the Run the Jewels is a really, they are very political, you know. And this video is for Legend Has It. <laughs> And this one, they are on acid and get stuck in a police lineup. And it's like all these different people rotate in. And the 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 guy is talking to the witness and he's like, you know, well, keeps trying to get the girl to say it's the two rappers mm-hmm. and not like the young girl playing the flute and not the completely in a cast person in a wheelchair and not all these other cops that are in the lineup. It's like 
a fixed line the whole mm-hmm. time and they're on acid. It's a really good video. You should totally check it out. And then I finally watched Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. You did! Talk about burying the lead. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. Did you love it? It was a little slow, but most movies of, of that time are mm-hmm. creep. They creep at you. Betty Davis is terrifying in it. She's so scary. She is so terrifying. And there was a part where she says to the maid, I'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> and I don't think she knew that that meant cunt. <laughs> if anybody knows what cunt is, it's going to be her. Yeah. But I don't know if that was a thing yet. And I have some thoughts on Joan Crawford's character, which I just called in my notes. I was like, eyebrows. I was like, eyebrows need to shake <laughs> the paperweights and drag her ass down the stairs. Like, she was doing nothing to help herself. Like, I know that she couldn't use her, her her lower part of her body but i would have crab walked somehow slithered <laughs> down those stairs i would have gotten i would have probably tumbled come on joan get it together to my death but i would have tried and then like the neighbors across the street if she's not using her voice speak to the neighbor yell at the neighbor don't just throw a paper at the neighbor <laughs> get out of that damn house man it was so frustrating i was like joan what are you doing but I would definitely watch it again. It was that was it was really creepy. I think that's going to be my Halloween cro- costume. You can be Betty and I can be fa- Joan. Oh yeah. I was thinking of maybe doing a two-face and doing an undercut in the back and shaving crazy eyebrows in it and then <laughs> doing both on your own head. <laughs> Joan in the back and Betty in the front. You're a monster. You know I love a Halloween. And then I watched Girls. Talk to me about Girls because Where I want to talk to you hell about Girls. Is Shoshana well, she is there. She's there in like one scene. Why is there no Shoshana in this season? It, she's like the best character. Here are my two questions for you. Why is every man in New York wanting to raise Hannah's baby? Yeah. Like that's what a, is that? that makes no goddamn sense. I like I'm so sure like anytime like a woman, a single woman finds herself pregnant, there's all these men lining up being like, no, let me raise your baby. Like never has any, has that ever happened. Yeah, I am not buying that. And, like, Adam, God, why would she even consider that? Well, he's he's pretty fine. <laughs> <laughs> I said that Adam was fine, and Callie just stared at me with this look of disgust. And I don't appreciate it because I'm not the only person who thinks that Adam is a good-looking gentleman. But the cutest thing about the most recent episode of Girls that we saw was A.D. Bryant. Oh, my God. How great was that? I'm so happy that they brought back A.D. Bryant as, like, a non-narcissistic freak. Like, an actual, like, girl who is nice and fun to be around. Wait, I don't remember her being... When was she... Was she was in before? She was Shosh's boss who oh, fired I her from the Japan job. That. Yeah. I completely forgot about that. That makes sense. Then I forgot that that's who. Ah, and her little storyline was so cute. Yeah, and I really appreciate the fact that it her they didn't they weren't like let's talk about her weight. Yeah, she's just a cute girl who finds love in an organic fashion. Yeah, it was really cute. It was the best. And when they were trying to kiss on the carousel, and it was like (laughs) bobbing up and down. That was adorable. I just want A.D. Bryant to be in all of the things. She, I just love her. She is a gem. Mm-hmm. I got really excited when she came on, but I had also completely forgot she'd been on before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's about all I've been watching. That about sums it up. Oh, and then I saw that hilarious video. Did you see the video where Adele, Adele gets... Bit where on? Adele got a beetle on her? How precious is she? I read I read that uh, that she's probably not gonna. She hates touring, so she's probably not gonna tour. Mm. And I, it breaks my heart because she just watching that. I was like, why can't I see you live? Come to me. Yeah, Come if you me. haven't yet seen the YouTube video of Adele performing live when a beetle crawls on her, <laughs> like, please look it up because it's her. very charming. And she falls on the ground. And she can't get up, <laughs> and she's all stuck in her dress. It is amazing. Yeah, that's a good one. What else you watching? <laughs> well, let me ask you this. <clears throat> Do you consider food to be art if it's 
elevated in like a super duper crazy way. Yes, totally. I went for my birthday. My very best friend, Johanna and Logan took me to Dirt Candy. Oh, yeah. Which is this fancy, fancy restaurant that is uh, owned and operated by celebrity chef Amanda Cohen who's the only vegetarian chef to ever compete on Iron Chef. Ah. And she does, like, the craziest things with vegetables that have ever been done in the history of time and makes them into works of art. Like, awesome. <laughs> literally, you don't, you're not even sure, like, what parts you're supposed to eat. If you're supposed to eat everything, like, what what am I eating? What's happening? I feel like food as art is very provocative to people. And I was so excited when this plate arrived, and Logan was so furious so this plate arrives, this teeny tiny cast iron skillet, like, for a, a doll. Like small, have, you've seen those videos of small cooking, right? Yeah, it's not that small. I'm obsessed with small cooking. Me and Camilla have made small pizzas. We've made small chili. Oh, <laughs> because small things are so cute. And so this small cast iron skillet comes out with beans in it. And then beside the beans are these exquisite glistening rows of what look like lifesavers, you know, like lifesaver candies, these brilliant red, orange, green, and yellow. And they literally look like glistening, perfect candies. And then you put one in your mouth and they're bell peppers that have been pickled and cut into this way where they're just like totally unrecognizable candies and from the dirt. That is amazing. <laughs> so I'm sitting there wondering, is this art, if I'm eating it, is it pop culture? It's definitely a happening where everybody there, I had to make a reservation a month in advance. Everybody was taking pictures of their food. It's like the food's trend, you know? There is a celebrity chef who has been on TV involved. I counted as pop culture. My friend was having this interesting conversation the other day about um, when before civilization, like crashes their food gets elevated to its top level (laughs) and then everything goes to shit yeah because i think it's like part of the like you want to like the rich get the richest and so they want the most extreme things it was extravagant to say the least yeah which i thought was a very interesting theory that night also the three of us went to do karaoke which live for karaoke made me want to discuss with you briefly what songs you pick for karaoke because I feel like it's such a personal choice that only a woman can make for herself and should not be legislated. <laughs> um, my current go-to is Reba McIntyre. Well, mama watched him comb the girl my hair and she painted my eyes and lived. Then I stepped into a satin dancing dress I had a split from the side clean up to my heel. It was red velvet trimming and it fit me good. Standing back from the looking glass there stood a woman more a half-grown kid. It stood. So you go for like a long narrative song. I feel like people don't really pay attention to what it's about. And then when they realize that it's like a child prostitute, they're like, oh, God, you just fucked with my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's what you're going for. You're going for like people listening to the lyrics and getting freaked out. Well, I also get really wound up in it and I do a lot of... I give it a lot of gusto. Mm-hmm. I also, uh, if they have any SWV, any uh, Mary J. Blige. Because you creep. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's TLC. Oh, that's TLC. Sorry. Uh, but I will TLC. All R. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Those are usually real. my... Real talk. Real talk. If they have real talk, I lose my shit. Real talk. Mm-hmm. But usually if people have R. Kelly, they just have ignition. And always watch out. Make sure it's remixed to Ignition. Or you'll... And not original Ignition. Yes. <laughs> what is your go-tos? Well, they, they have been evolving. My favorite warm-up song is Rehab by Amy Winehouse. It's tried to make me go to rehab. I said no, no, no. Yes, I've been black, but when I come back, no, no, no. That, like, gets my vocal cords going because we ha- she sings in a... In a key that is complimentary to me but my favorite number one karaoke song right now is george michael's one more try i've had enough of danger people are on the 
he takes it to church and it's like so devastating when he's like crying out that that teacher there are things that I don't want to learn <laughs> don't aim to sing right I aim to like perform <laughs> so I don't care if I'm on keys so much as I'm really giving it giving mm -hmm. it a go I wanted to tell you that I saw an especially exciting episode of Phenom on Hulu oh. which is you know it's a, it's different like paranormal things but mostly aliens so far and the episode that I watched had this fascinating guy on who said that he gets abducted by aliens a lot. Like, not a little, a lot. <laughs> and he has, according to this gentleman, he has an alien mother and an alien wife. Like, the alien mother, like, adopted him because he's human, obvs. Mm -hmm. But this alien woman adopted him because he gets abducted so often. So he, like... So he was already getting abdu abducted before he got adopted. He was getting abducted and then became adopted. Because he was so frequently abducted. Because I was going to say, he's probably getting abducted all the time because he's adopted. And, you know, first came the frequent like, abductions, and then he was hanging out so much. He's like, you know what? You're my Earth son. <laughs> and so he has an alien mother, and then he, you know, hooked up with an alien lady. So he has an alien wife. And his alien wife, guess what? Is a cat queen. And oh, he's that like, makes she's sense. a cat queen. And I was like, okay. And so he's, he drew pictures. Of his alien mom who looked kind of like the greys. And then like his alien wife who looked like a cat in like a with a crown. So not all aliens look the same. Not in this world. And they have alien kids who he visits whenever he gets abducted. So he's sort of absolved of all like the parenting because he only can see his kids whenever he gets abducted and he doesn't have... That's convenient, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, isn't it really? <laughs> he, so he doesn't have control over when he sees his alien kids. But... Interestingly enough, he draws lots and lots of pictures of his alien family to remember them when he's away from them. And his Earth wife doesn't appreciate it. Yes, he has an Earth wife. No, she does not appreciate it. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. And so... Wait, did they get married before the abduction? Yes. And then he got abducted. And then he started getting abducted all the time. And does she... She refused to be interviewed for this episode of Phenom. When he dis when he's abducted, does she is he just like not in the house? Or is See, his these are things that I want to know that they did not clear up. Oh, my God. Because we're getting all of this information from him. Yeah. Like, we're not even seeing his annoyed wife who's like, yeah, okay, he's not here. I guess that must be because he's with his alien cat queen wife. So then... You know, you go through all of this. That is when you get a divorce. I'm just saying. Like, don't try to work through that. <laughs> and oh on the same episode, there was this amazing British chain-smoking housewife with, like, this huge fall piled up on her head, like a humongous bouffant who's just chain-smoking the whole time, who says that she's been abducted over a thousand times. And it's really annoying because it's really, you know, it's cramping her style. She never knows when she's going to get abducted, and she's getting abducted constantly. And her son was sitting there eating pizza on the floor like, yeah, my mom's always abducted. Oh, my gosh. And does he say that she vanishes or? Like, I don't even. That's what I mean. Like, Be, I, I'm pretty sure they kind of rationalize it by saying, like, time is different. And, mm -hmm. like, so the person's there and then they're back and you don't know that they're gone, but they've actually lost time because they're in outer space. Then how's it? Then it's not cramping your style because you come right back to the same shit that you left. But she she's like agoraphobic now because she doesn't know when she's going to get abducted. But she gets abducted from her house all the time, so she shouldn't be afraid about going out. Yeah, I'm just saying, phenom on Hulu. Oh my god! If you want it, if you want a deep dive <laughs> into the lives of people who've been abducted many times, that is crazy. <laughs> um, there's a new movie that's out now called All This Panic. It's directed by a woman named Jenny Gage, and it's one of these verite movies where it's not exactly a documentary, but I'm pretty positive that it's unscripted. She followed a group of teen girls around Brooklyn for three years. Huh. 
like through the end of high school and into the beginning of college for some, into the beginning of not college for one of them, I was just bathing in teen girl energy. Ah. I was just letting it wash over me. What do they end up getting into? What is the... Ah! The pause, you just... Dramatic flare. <laughs> you know, just life stuff. Just life stuff. But it's hard. Mm-hmm. And it's heart-wrenching. And they're coming together and growing apart and moving right. and about, changing. Just about to be like, are they still friends? What's the sometimes and sometimes less so, and it's so fucking poignant. So it's like what we thought girls was really gonna be. Only younger, yeah, because these are teenage girls. But yeah, all she had this real access to her subjects, and obviously these girls really trusted her. Because she's in there for, for the real teen girl moments. What's and it's it called? called All This Panic. Ah, I want to watch that. It's so good. It's directed by Jenny Gage, and it's out now in New York City. And I think it's going to roll out more soon. I want to say that I watched a movie on Netflix that was directed by Karen Kusama, who directed Jennifer's Body and Girl Fight. Oh, awesome. This movie's on Netflix right now. It's called The Invitation. Oh, I've seen that. And it totally reminded me of Get Out. Did it remind you of Get Out? Yeah. So it's like Get Out in the fact that a bunch of white people are having a party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a dude who happens to be white, who has a partner who is black, are going to the party. And uh, it's super awkward. In this case, it's awkward because... The party is being thrown by the dude's ex-wife and her new partner. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's where the movie would end if I was in this movie. Because <laughs> if an ex of mine invited me to a party with all of our old mutual friends, who are the people? So it's like all of the mutual friends that these two people had before they got divorced are all going to be at this party. And so that guy was invited with his new partner and the party's being hosted by his ex-wife and her new partner like, no way. I would never go to that party, ever. Really? I would go, but I'm friends with most of my exes. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I would totally go. I would never go. I would so never go. So it's similar in that there's a sense of foreboding, like, oh, this is this party, but I don't want to go, but we should go. And then it's like Get Out because the first half is just, like, all about how awkward it is. Mm-hmm. To be stuck at a party with your ex and their new partner I and think all of I your seen former Get Out friends. When I watched it. I would totally draw this this line. I felt that way, and then, much like Get Out, something midway turns, and then things get cray. Yeah. Like the whole first part is just this sense of foreboding and um, discomfort and social anxiety. How good was the ending? Right. Yeah, it was good. I loved it. Yeah, good job, Karen Kusama. I also really enjoyed when, you know, Jennifer's body, which I thought didn't get the all the recognition that it deserved. She's she's a good horror person. Yeah, I really like Jennifer's body. So that that's what I've been watching. I've loved telling you about it. It was lovely. Once again. <laughs> and I wanna say before we break out of this here booth, I wanna say thanks so much to our producer, Rachel Withers, who's holding it down. Ep after ep. <laughs> Way to go, mama. Also, our pals at the listening booth, Terrence Mickey and Katie Shepard and Carrie Thomas, are, have been so helpful to us. Thank you. And, of course, our girl gang at Bust Magazine. Shout outs. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Emily Rems. Callie's at Kalisha Jenkins, but she doesn't check it. I don't. Don't do the twit twat. <laughs> but you, if you want to find out more about Bust Magazine, where we work and where we live our lives, <laughs> visit us at bust.com. And finally... Please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It really, Drop really helps them stars. us. Give us all the stars. Review us. Get the word out. Uh, we super duper appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye. Mwah. This is What's Happening Here. I'm Katie Shepard, your host, and this season... I'm Terrence Mickey, and welcome to Memory Motel. I'm Julia Bainbridge, and welcome to The Lonely Hour, which I'm producing in partnership with The Listening Booth. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling the New York Times Classifieds. Christine speaking. I may help you. 
Hi, my name is Terrence Mickey, and I'm calling to inquire about an obituary. What information were you looking for that I could possibly help you with? Okay. Now a grown woman with a supportive husband, Jillian is fine, but that comes after waiting through years of pain and confusion. I had been wrestling with this because I knew in the pit of my stomach that my fetish is not caused by childhood trauma, mm -hmm. but it felt like my own life contradicted that. Matt, who was a big talker, big personality, loved to be the center of attention, was running away from having to be vulnerable. I don't know, it's like whenever we have this, like fights or something, whenever I talk about this, it's like I have a shield in my hand and whenever this happens, I just put it up to protect myself. The listening booth. There's a story inside.